This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 865, brought to you by Macroverse. Check out their new comic series, Darkland, on Webtoons and the Macroverse app. And iFanboy listeners like you and Raylan. <laughs> we have the kind of audience who'd be like, yeah, okay, we get that. Some people call me the space cowboy. Yeah. Some call me the gangster of love. Call me Maurice Cause I speak Of the pompatists of
I am Josh Flanagan. This is my co-host, Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. Welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 865, which reminded me of the year that is the end of the Civil War, 1865. Uh, yeah. Every week, one of us picks the book that they like. Do you know the date that Lincoln was shot by Hart? No. It's, I want to say it's April 15, 16? He'd just given his inaugural, which they did later then. <laughs> I brought him up with random coworkers the other day. They were talking about like people who read a lot. Of, you know, Abraham Lincoln was uh, oh, no, Josh, completely uneducated, but he, he read, and that's how he... Josh. <laughs> There's a, they were nerds, and I you think... Gotta let, you got to give him some time. I was, I was like, determined this week's show wasn't going to be as weird as last week's show, but now we're, here we are. Well, the thing is, we can freak Ryan out. And Ryan, you know, like, you and, you know, you can, I know you can hang, because you'll also kind of be like, yeah, that is interesting about Lincoln. Anyway, <laughs> every week, but also, like, I know, every week one of us picks the book that they like the best from their stack of comic books. We call that the pick of the week. We're going to talk about that book. We will talk about other comic books from the week. We will talk about the patron book, which is patron book patron pick which yeah. is another comic book and listener mail if we have time those are generally comic book related but sometimes not yeah there will be spoilers uh for the hello for the things that happen in the books uh please exercise caution connor you had the pick this week i did and, and you know one of the reasons why last week's show was so you know sort of all over the place is because last week was kind of weird uh you know hardly any books came out i didn't think they were very good you thought they were good but i didn't think they were very good if last week my whole stack was uh, two and three star books, this week it was all three and four star books. Yeah, okay. Where, you know, I liked pretty much everything I read to a certain extent, but I didn't love anything. We we had a conversation. You had a conversation with me prior to the pick, and that almost never happens. Yeah, because I just was totally – I finished my book super early on Wednesday because I didn't have a lot again this week. And, you know, I read half of them on Tuesday when the, the DC stuff comes out. And so I finished in the morning, like in the a.m. on Wednesday, and I was just like, oh, man, I don't know what to do. There were books I, I, I had been thinking about, but each one, you know, again, nothing better than four stars. So I kind of circled around. I talked to you a bit. I you know, waited till the evening and sort of thought about it throughout the day as on and off and ended up with Namor, The Submariner, Conquered Shores, number five, the final issue of this miniseries by Christopher Cantwell, Pasquale Ferry, Matt Hollingsworth, and Joe Joey C. Caramagna. The first issue had been pick of the week. Is that correct? Yeah, this is. We've been enjoying this series the whole way through. We talked a sure. lot about the last issue, and this is not denigrating the pick. It just was. It was tough. Nothing jumped out. But at the end of the day, I kept thinking about how much I enjoyed this miniseries. How this was actually a very satisfying ending, which is harder yes. than you think it sometimes. And you know, I would have loved to have spent more time in that in that world. And that's, I think, at the end of the day, a sign of a very successful comic. And one of the things I really liked about this issue, so in the last issue we had, you know, the the big twist or the big turn in the story in which the you know we have the human faction, we have the Atlantean faction, and then we added the robots. And uh, in the last issue, the robots attacked the humans, blew them up, killed Steve Rogers, and that left Namor to confront the head of the robots, who was Jim the Human Hammond, Torch, his old war buddy. I was going to say Jim Corrigan, but that I don't know why that was in my head. Nope. Uh, Jim Hammond, the Human Torch from the war. And what I liked about this was we kind of saw Namor, I don't want to say grow up in this issue because he has been much more of a sedate, thoughtful Namor. But he has, as we've mentioned, has had points of 
the old personality busting through the old anger, the, that, you know, especially in the last issue when he would fly off the handle with Jim for no reason. Mm-hmm. But here in a confrontation with Atuma and a confrontation with Namorita, who is now in charge of Atlantis, he kind of has to grow up here. If I could add one little bit about that, having just read the Namor book that we did on the Talksplode and having yeah. a certain kind of Namorita there, I'm like, what the fuck happened to this lady? Yeah, she she was like, I never liked them. I was like, really? You mm. seemed to be into it. You had like teeny bopper shit on. You're flying around. You're very happy. She was part of the New Warriors. She had yeah. friends. Uh, so, you know, Namor's basically like, hey, I, you know, I'm going to make this work. And if you guys can't deal with that, then I'm, I'm out of here. And it was... I thought, you know, this isn't a story, an issue where the whole crux, I mean, there's a big fight in the middle with Atuma, but, you know, really the crux of the issue turns on this conversation with Namorita, his cousin, which goes one, two, three, you know, three pages and a lot of panels. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a good one. I thought it was a good turn. Everything that Namor does here makes sense. And also, I think, even though it's never expressly said, I think that the death of Steve, the previous issue, really changes things for him. You know, this is yeah. even for through all the, you know, we're in a world here, a post-apocalyptic time where the, is the Cree or the Skrulls, one of those guys. I don't remember. You know, destroyed the earth. There's hardly anybody left. And, but Steve was left and he still, he still had his buddy, Steve, who. Like his last link to humanity. Yeah. You know, they, they fought the Nazis together and they have a long history together. And he still had that link to the old. I never read that past, scene. Past. <laughs> and, uh. And then, you know, Steve gets killed and some things have to change. Someone else has to be the leader. Luke Cage is there, but he's not really, he's nominally sort of, he's sort of the head of operations. You know, they need someone who's, who's going to inspire. <laughs> and it's not going to, it can't be Steve anymore, so it has to be Namor. And I, I, this is really good. And at the end, it ends with a hybrid baby that is born. And the part of the problem is that there's no babies because of sterility. So I thought this was good. I thought this was solid. I would love if this was longer. I'd love to spend more time in it. It, it shouldn't be because it ends in a really nice note. Right. And you don't want to really go beyond that. But I just liked coming back to this world every month for the last five months. And Christopher Cantwell, we talk about all the time, is really good with a certain character type. Namor is mm-hmm. one. And it was very satisfying. It turns very out Marvel has no shortage of that character type. No, they don't. <laughs> they keep throwing him and he keeps knocking him out of the park for the most part. I think what was nice is that forever like you want to like namor but and this is a feature of the character he always keeps you at arm's distance right. as a fan i mean it's hard to like him unless you really are into an anti-hero because i mean, I guess it's depending on your point of view but if you're you know you want everybody to get along you want everybody to do the right thing respect their friends you know come to those realizations that a, an older person might come to and you just never feel like you do. And this story gave us that catharsis. And yes. then really, I mean, this ending should be kind of corny. A new baby is born. He's a he's a, a hybrid Atlantean human. Yeah. And, you know, they're like, let's go for a swim. Ba-da-ba-ba-da. And that's the end. Yeah. And it should have been goofy, but it played. Yeah. You know, the kids smiling. Like, infants don't do that. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe maybe infants. half Atlantean infants or whatever, yeah. but... What's great is that, like, the dad has to have a bubble on his head. It's stupid. It's so stupid. It it's so good. It just, it was very satisfying. The whole thing mm-hmm. was satisfying. The world was satisfying. I, You know, we talked about the art last time. You, you don't love as much as I do. I thought the, the, art, the art was appropriately weird for I the characters the artworks, in the world. I think the artworks, I didn't like the finish of it still. It was good. It was. It was it very was. good. 
And it was one of those things where a lot of times if there's a miniseries going on, I will, even if I kind of like it, I'll be like, ah, this is, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta do this. It's, it feels like chore. And you're right. This was one like, oh, this is a good one. I, I, you know, what was that other one? There was that Invaders book that James Robinson did. Yes. You know, that was sort of the last taste of this, but I think this was better. That one went on too long. I mean, this one leaves you wanting more, which is better. Yeah, it was, it was good. And, you know, there was no shortage of books that I thought oh, that was good. And one of, and for a long time, relatively speaking, during the course of Wednesday, I kept thinking about Joe Fixit number two from Peter David, the latest in his retro miniseries, uh, Art by Yil Deary Senor. And the only, I think one of the reasons why I wasn't picking it, I think once I looked back at it, it was a little, a little thin and that's sort of mm-hmm. not really his fault because there's so fewer pages now, but the, what happened on the pages was really great. It was a really great Peter Parker Spider-Man. It was a really great, almost maestro-esque Hulk. And again, you and I have no experience with Mr. Fix-It, really. Right. Peter, Spider-Man walking in to Mr. Fix-It's suite with the most ridiculous disguise ever uh-huh. uh, works <laughs> for the context of these particular characters. Uh-huh. One, and it's a terrific kingpin. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight women are in that room. This doesn't fly today, but no. uh, it was it was you know Peter didn't didn't partake. You know so you want, you want one of these ladies. You know <laughs> if you had made this the pick of the week, I would have had no argument. Yeah, it was fun. It was super fun. It needed one more scene, I think, just to be. Well, like, I mean, it's it's not the it's there's another issue coming, but there yeah, was no, no, no. there was one really th- the thing that stuck out is that Peter is outside. <laughs> He's chilling on a pole. And uh, and the limo pulls up, and Kingpin steps out. Kingpin looks at him. What are you staring at? And then Peter's like points out he's got a cut on his face or whatever. And they have a little tete a tete. And you you kind of like. And Peter's not acting like Peter. Like he's. It's funny because he's against supervillains. He's a tough guy. Yeah. And he means it. Like and everywhere else in the world, you know, he he's all he's insecure. He's doing whatever. But he, he this is his element. He knows what it is. And and Kingpin leans in. He's trying to intimidate him, which is weird because it's not a thing that Kingpin needs to do usually. It's like he mm-hmm. sniffed out that this was somebody that he had to stand up to, you know. And, and he's like, well, "Are you afraid of me?" And Peter's like, "We're out in public. What would you do?" And he does like the faint bully punch on him, like he's Biff Tannen, Kingpin. <laughs> and Peter doesn't flinch. He doesn't blink. The, the way it's drawn is really great. Now, does that scene play realistically? Like, if that was an Amazing Spider-Man, I don't know if I'd have bought it, but I really enjoyed it. You know, well, especially when you play it off of the previous issue in which mm-hmm. the kingpin killed one of his thugs for pointing out he was bleeding, right? And so, you know, the expect, yeah. you know that scene sort of plays here where I forgot about that. Peter I says, "Hey, the you're scene, bleeding," but... mm-hmm. and uh, kingpin says, "Oh, apparently I am." And so you're like, "Oh shit, what's he going to do?" Because he already mm-hmm. killed someone for saying the same thing in the last issue. Mm-hmm. But that was his employee and not some random dude on the strip in Vegas. But he does try to intimidate him because he's already in a bad mood because of the Hulk. But also because that's who he is. He has to dominate. I really liked seeing Peter Parker stand up at that point. You know, like there was no worry about it. He's, you know, it's really interesting. And so then, you know, you mind control Joe fix it. And then there's a fight in the casino and a genuine sense of stakes. Yeah. Great page where Peter gives Kingpin the uppercut. Mm hmm. Uh, where he, he gets down and the previous panel launches off off the floor and knocks him out. It was you know really well drawn sequence where the the Joe fixes rampaging because mm-hmm. the kingpin has sprayed him with this gas that makes you go crazy. 
I think we spent a lot of time talking about the stories or whatever. Sinar, yeah. this is not his normal style. It has been mm. produced in a way to look like, and I think he drew this way on purpose, to look like a comic book from the 90s, from the early 90s. Yeah. The production is there, the art style, the page layouts. Sinar is a hell of an artist, but he's doing a thing here, and he's doing it so well. Yes. That page with the uppercut that you were talking about, that page, like the way that Spider-Man is drawn, like it is all, it's bringing me right back. And again, it's the yeah. same retro modern thing where it loses nothing. There's nothing kitschy about it. It's just they're doing it really well. And it's it's scratching that itch that we keep talking about, you know, again and again. You know, when we were, when we were first, we were younger comic readers, you know, 20, 25 mm-hmm. years ago. If they did a retro modern thing, it was always stupid. Yeah. Like you had to take it it with, well, no, but not only that, but like it was always a bit of a wink to it. It was self-referential. Yeah. It, it didn't work. And also at that point, you know, 20 years before that was, you know, the seventies or like it. Well, the subtext was always, isn't this a little silly? Right. None of these books that they've been doing, especially with the Peter David have been that way. Mm -hmm. These are straight up. Yeah. But done in a style that just celebrates the earlier style rather than, you know, impersonates or parodies yeah. it it's it's straight up you know it's it's good stuff i'm really enjoying it i'm really happy that these books mm-hmm. continue to come out i hope peter david's feeling better i hope yeah you know, way down the list of priorities is hopefully gets to make more comics because uh he's i mean it's been one that. thing after another that i i've loved and and i also like people are probably if you don't like this you're sick of hearing about it but this renaissance <laughs> of peter david gives me a chance to experience what I didn't get to the first time around because I wasn't right. there. Yeah, I was a huge Peter David fan in the 90s. I love how obvious it is that it's good stuff, and I love that he still fucking got it. Yeah. This is as good as anything. I mean, it's not to be like, this is as good as anything you've ever done. Like, he never he never stopped doing good. I mean, when, when he wasn't sort of working a lot. Right. Uh, it's a delight. It's a real treat. I, I just feel like we're really lucky to get these comics. This week, I found it interesting that I mean, I, th- I thought about this before, and we may have even talked about it, but it was really glaring this week that Tom King has got both Gotham City Year One and The Human Target coming out at the same time because mm-hmm. they're kind of the same story, like mm-hmm. the same basic story. Now, the details are obviously very different, but this is also the second to last issue. We had the second to last issue of The Human Target a few weeks ago. This is Gotham City Year One, book five, with art by Phil Hester and Eric Gapster. And this is the issue where we had the reveal and who was really behind the kidnapping and murder of the young Wayne daughter and it's the reveal is very similar to the reveal we were expecting in the human target so it's just like this is very interesting that they're they're coming out at the same time when it's kind of the same thing that's not a criticism no but i think it's you're right like it's interesting to do these kind of things this one is much darker and more hard-boiled that other one is i mean it's brilliant in so many ways but it is at the end of the day, it's a little more lighthearted because the characters are a little silly and the colors are a little brighter. Like, this is like, this book is, people are bad. This is Perry Mason. Yeah. And yeah. Half this issue takes place in black and white. Yeah. So the reason why this wasn't the pick, I'm not going to go through every issue like that, but this had a chance, except I didn't sure. really like or think was needed the whole tarot card scene in the middle. Mm-hmm. It just seemed out of place for the book. Yeah. It didn't really reveal anything that we didn't already know. I mean, other than like it's Slam's mother, so that's a little something. Is Slam half black? Is she black? I had that thought. I couldn't tell from the coloring. And he says, I, I take after my father. And, and the, the the woman, the black woman's like, you, you know, basically like lucky you. So he must be half black. I don't know. I don't think that reads on him. 
Right. That's what, that's what she says. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't read. Right. That's, I don't know. I just thought that whole scene wasn't really needed. The rest was good. I understand the purpose of it. And the purpose was to like use a weird way to establish her bona fides. You know, like she's bad, she's bad, she's bad, she's bad. No, she's the saint. You know, so that's how you get there. The method's probably not the best. Also, just like looking at those pages, mm-hmm. they're a little text heavy. They're a little, it doesn't have that sort of energy of the other pages Yeah, as we go through the cards, which is probably just also not a thing that either of us are interested in. I love the stuff around it. Like they reveal mm-hmm. about her. The woman's relationship with with uh, the Wayne. I don't know yeah. their names. Richard. Richard, Richard Wayne. Wayne. And then the fact that he's broke. The family's broke. There's no mm-hmm. Wayne fortune. It's been spent. It's okay here. There's yeah. a reason for it. You know, it's not. It's not. It works they've, they've all got story. secrets and the secrets aren't good. Yeah. And then, the you know, the wife, you know, not great, you know, compared no. to... You know, he he's evil and terrible. And then... But she's not exactly the saint either. And it's just like nobody's... Nobody's well, he's not great, but he's not evil. No, no, I meant I meant Richard Wayne is evil. Right, so I mean, she's evil. Mar- yeah, not Martha Wayne, whatever their Waynes are. Yeah, and then she, and then they they bad. remind you of the police commissioner who we beat to shit. Yeah. you know, in the last one, and it's funny because he Tom King is working in the same genre, but in two different ways at the same time. Yeah, it's so very. It is really interesting, and and again, you know. I, I hate to keep mentioning these things as an afterthought, but Phil Hester. Yeah. Again, you want to talk about another guy who I've always loved his art, but it is actually much more versatile than you would think from looking at it. Now, is this art all that different than, you know, how he drew Green Arrow forever ago? Yes and no. I mean, like the tone is different because it's supposed to be. It's noir or whatever, but like his figures, his 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 anatomy is, is all you no, know. His, his stuff is not, but the colors from Jordi Belair. Oh, yeah. You know, it's a different kind of coloring style than, than the coloring back then. And also, you know, the, I think the layouts are more mm-hmm. ambitious. I don't know if that's from the script or what, but all of these. I doubt it. Big single page people that act as a, it's almost like a fla- flashbulb effect of these, you know, uh-huh. these single images. I mean, Hester, look at that page um, 28. I mean, that's a hell of a page. Uh, it's it's sort of I'm trying to f- figure out how to explain it. There's negative images and and there's who is it? It's not even Slam. It is Slam. He's lighting a cigarette as he's beating up that one guy who he thought was Wayne's henchman but isn't. Right. That is. I mean, the the, the thing is this. Like, I guess what I'm saying is like Phil Hester still Phil Hester, but obviously he's gotten better because he loves the art form. I've, yeah. I mean, like, if you go back and listen to, I have a talk explode with him. This is a guy can loves comics, and I, yeah. I, the guys who love comics who have talent, like they just do the best work forever. And you know, he, like, like he, Phil Hester to me is one of those guys. I'm going to use a sports analogy. It's one of those guys who maybe doesn't put up the best stats. Yeah, but everybody on the team is like, that guy's the guy. He's the glue. Yeah, you know, he knows the game. He should be a bigger name than he is. And he does it all, too. Well, he was pretty big. Yeah. In the late 90s or 2000s. He was, but that was also at a time where a more non-Jim Lee style was very difficult to get ahead in. And I think right. that held people back back then. I think I still think it does. I still think we're dominated by Jim Lee styles. So there's not really star artists anymore in that way. I just think it's so weird. There's a book coming out called Secret Invasion. It's very bizarre. It is. Are you reading it? No. 
It's really good. So you've got Ryan North, who uh, is doing the Fantastic Four book that we're really enjoying right now, and Squirrel Girl, and did Dinosaur Comics. I did not put that together. It's the same guy. You remember Dinosaur Comics? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he did that. That's him. Still does it. I think it's actually an ongoing concern. It is the same logo as the Bendis Secret Invasion book. I have no idea if this is in other books right now. It doesn't feel like it. That's why I think it's weird. It is weird, but it on its own, then, it's this great... Basically, there's some other Skrull infiltration, and Maria Hill has to be the badass. And everybody, every time they meet, they have to check their blood type or whatever, and it turns out that that system failed. And in the last issue, we find out that Tony Stark actually found a bunch of Skrulls who weren't bad guys, and he hired them. And she's pissed off because she's got Skrulls there. Hates all Skrulls. Oh, I know why. This because they're doing a TV show. Oh, is that? They're doing okay. a Secret Invasion TV show. That's why this is the thing. So all of that is pretty good. And it's funny because you wouldn't, I don't think you would know that this is the same guy who does, this is a, this is a really uh, hardcore book. You know, yeah. it's not funny. It's like straight up espionage action in the superhero world. There's a big fight between Maria and Tony and she gets a suit and then it goes back and forth and you kind of just don't know which way it's going to go. But the reason that I'm talking about it here is that the art by Francesco Mobley and again, colors by, is it really colors by Jordi Belair? You told me. Two books in a row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jordi Belair did this book too. There's some action scenes in this, and they are just fantastic. The looseness of the art combined with really, really good and realistic anatomy, and then just wonderful action scenes of people like flying through the air and falling and running. If you can download this and just take a look at mm-hmm. sort of the sequence at the end, the last you know five, six pages... Maria Hill jumps out of the helicarrier and then somebody jumps after her and she's got a gun in the air. It looks like a John Woo movie. Hmm. It is wonderful action sequences. And as I was reading it, I, I found myself, and this doesn't happen a lot, I was like, wow, you know, look at this, look at this art in this action sequence, which you should think more often in comic books, but sure. I kind of don't. <laughs> yeah, I find myself like, once I remember what it is, it's like, am I, what is this? Am I reading this? You know, I go, oh, right. It's a really intricate story, and you don't know who to try. It's better than The Last Secret Invasion. It's much smaller, you know, and that helps. Mm-hmm. The art's better, and I know the other one was supposed to be the all-star team at the time, but it's really kind of like a cool little thing that's going over in a corner. Yeah, I forgot. There's a whole Secret Invasion TV show coming out with Maria Hill as the lead, so that's well, why they're doing go. this. don't know why it's coming out now, though. She's a great character. She's really taken over for what Nick Fury should be. We've never recovered from the loss of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Nick Fury and mm-hmm. all that world, which was so fun, and it's just gone now. The thing about her, though, is that... This is a good-looking book. Yeah, no, the thing about her, Maria Hill, though, is that she brings that sense of danger. Like, this isn't a S.H.I.E.L.D. that works with the heroes. Right. Like, she has a job to do. She's Amanda Waller, I guess, in a certain way, but I always think Amanda Waller leans evil. Yeah, or, or she's, at she's least chaotic, evil, ambiguous. Whereas Maria Hill really is trying to do the right thing, but she's the one on the wall that you don't like, but right. she needs to be there. Right. Yeah. I mean, the the art is the art's really good. I heard the name Francesca Mobley, but I, I don't know from what. But uh, I'll be I'll be checking out what what he does going forward. This episode is brought to you by Macroverse. Macroverse is proud to share their new comic book series and wide release, Darkland. Darkland is a delightfully twisted black comedy centered around the shifting alliances between the power players in Hell and the plans they have for Earth. A little bit of Game of Thrones mixed with the Veep. It's wow. twisted, funny, and provocative. Created and written by Evan Shapiro with art by Fank Calico. 
Darkland is a digital comic with full episodes released biweekly on the Macroverse in their proprietary tap story format. But it's also released weekly in shorter episodes on Webtoons, which is where all the kids are reading their comics, <laughs> in their perpetual scroll version. The full series of Darkland will have a digital collectible release in elegant landscape format for iPad or web, coming in late March 2023, followed by the trade paperback and collector's edition coming later this year. And here's your chance to get involved. After the digital release in March, Macroverse will be working with fans to generate ideas for an anthology series set within the world of Darkland, which will be voted on by the community as to which will get greenlit into production as a separate series. This is similar to what Macroverse did with their previous series, Dead Town, and their upcoming series, Bushidos. There's lots of cool stuff coming from Macroverse, so get on board now. Head over to the website at macroverse.world slash darkland for more info, or go to Webtoons and search for Darkland. Webtoons, Josh, it's the future. I like that perpetual scroll That's thing. Kids are. I mean, I, I wouldn't want it for like the you know Marvel comics or whatever, but as a sort of way to work directly in that format, it's cool. We need to get on Webtoons. With like us? Yeah. Somebody going to do a book about us? I don't know what that means even. It's scary. Okay. The Jamoke Mysteries. <laughs> Whereas, like, somebody's killed, but we keep getting distracted by pizza and barbecue. Yeah, we also never know when this, the story ends. <laughs> well, that solved the problem. No, it hasn't. <laughs> you have not <laughs> solved the mystery. And we were like, whoa, because we're eating pizza. I wish I could still cartoon. I would do that. Batman and the Joker, the Deadly Duo, book four. My thought while reading this was... I was By the way, first... write that down. That's a t-shirt. <laughs> I, was, I was shocked that it was book four. I feel like this is book seven. I don't know. Nothing against the book. I like it's the heavy. book, but it, I just feel like there's been a lot. They're, they're, I think it's oversized, but I just feel like I finish it. Like, isn't this been longer than four? What I really like about this book, as we talked about, it, it feels very classic. I love the Harley Quinn in this book. She's the straight up evil Harley Quinn from the past that we haven't seen in decades. Mm-hmm. There's a great scene here. She's someone. She's being held kidnapped by somebody, held captive, and. He's like, I went to your house to get you some clothes, and I found a bunch of skeletons in your closet. And she's like, oh, yeah, it's a couple of ex-boyfriends. I'm a little behind on my spring cleaning. Like, that's that's a Harley Quinn that the heroes don't invite to brunch. Right. Like, that's the Harley Quinn that's been missing, who was like, a great character. she's still silly. She made a paper pirate hat. Yeah. You know, she's down there, but she's dangerous. They got to allow their villains to be villains, uh-huh. uh, even if they're popular. It's okay. The other thing I liked was Catwoman flirting with nightwing not because she was interested in it, but because it made him uncomfortable which feels like something that selena kyle uh-huh. this version would do yeah the standard you know dc universe dick Grayson now would never be flapped by that but in a slightly different version of it it's yeah. it's fun i gotta say after years of being like ah, i don't really like mark silvestri you know it's pretty great his joker is wonderful yeah the really body good. there's a double page spread here where he's standing there and he's got his suit buttoned and it's great anatomy, and his posture is doing something really cool. And you know, he's evil in this. He's scary. <laughs> yeah, like he shoots people because, but he's still trying to be. I don't. He's, it's it's a great Joker, and yeah, I've it opens up Joker. with like a you know classic superhero conundrum. There's a speeding train. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, it's too heavy. So this guy, this guy who's in Batman's ear, who who's directing them, who's got them under a barrel. Or over a barrel and under uh, the gun. Whatever metaphor you want. It's a really good classic 70s kind of Neil Adams. Yeah, so he's like, you got to you gotta get this train underweight, but you, you know you can't get the passengers off. So they're like, take, take the train apart and throw in the things. And this is like the train where his parents mm-hmm. got engaged. And like, yeah. And <laughs> he turns around and turns back and Joker's like tossed four guys off the train. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
It's like, you know, I'm not laughing because it's, it's horrible, but also it's funny and also perfectly Joker, you know. Mm-hmm. He agrees to not do that. And then as soon as Batman turns around, he's like, I just threw the fat ones off, you know. And <laughs> and also, but Batman has to go with it, too. He's and like, also I ended up helping him get underweight. <laughs> so, yep. like, it's out there and I, li- I like it a lot. I do. But it's well it's, it's well, well done. done enough. Yeah. I mean, like a lot of these books was like this image creator is coming back and it, it doesn't play. But this has been this has been really impressive, which is, you know, sort of like we said from the beginning. So oddly enough, if we're going to talk about Tom King doing two concurrent noir books yeah. this week, uh, saw issue five of Joker, the man who stopped laughing. Um, mm. This is another Joker story where yeah. Joker has to team with Batman. To solve a yeah, problem. Yeah, it's been a thing lately. It was also in that other book, yeah. the Sean Murphy book. The thing is, though, this is written by Matt Rosenberg, who is one of my favorite writers in comics, and art by Carmine DiGen Domenico. Great artist. Yeah, whose name I just said. I'm more impressed that you've gone 180 on Joker. You're fully back in the Joker camp. Well, You're okay. loving Joker again. Not give loving, me all the Joker stories, Josh Flanagan, I fanboy. Not loving Joker. This, this, this is very much a, I'm reading it because of the creators. Sure, sure, sure. Tell yourself that. This Joker is a little more in the realm of the Joker that we know in the DCU. Okay. But it's really like it's a it's a fun little story. And um the the Joker, like it's funny. Rosenberg's really funny. The art, obviously. I'm trying to who was what was the book with John Domenico that I couldn't say his name, but we kept like talking about every week. Oh, I don't know. It was every book he's drawn. Yeah. He's great. There's this bit where, like, they're working with Joker and they need him there. And, I, and there's two Jokers, and honestly, I don't know which one was which at a certain point, but it didn't really matter, like, because, you know, like, it's almost supposed to be confusing. But every time they have to go back to the Batcave, they trust Joker up in this chair and they put, like, a sensory deprivation thing on his head and he just has to sit there. Well, that's what the other book's doing. And is it? I'm See, I'm getting mixed up. That's they're they very do. similar. Yeah. The, the You're right. You're right. That's that one. I love that setup, though, because you can't tell... Like you so think you're just like, so excited about the Joker, you you lose track of what's what. I, I you got can't. Jo- multiple Joker stories, multiple Jokers in certain stories. You're living the life. Oh, you know what's in this? This, your, this really your awesome best life is that he breaks into a children's hospital and has these great scenes with kids who he kind of likes, but you also think he might kill. Mm. It's good, and it shouldn't be happening at the same time. And I really wish they wouldn't come out in the same week because you see what happens. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. When you went to Vegas, like anyone who was at Vegas this week at the sports book, the odds on fade up for pick of the week, just based on the cover, was The Amazing Spider-Man 913 by Joe Kelly and the Dotsons, Terry and Rachel, and also Joe Carmagna. We can't forget Joey C. This was the favorite. The betting was heavy on this one. The action was strong because I love a date issue. And I've been very mm-hmm. excited about Peter and Felicia, the black cat, going on a date. You know, it's funny is that I totally focused on the fact that Joe Kelly was writing and I didn't even notice the art. <laughs> Which is kind of in the good way because, like, I, I, it was good. And I, I noticed it was fine, but I didn't think about it. I was really, I liked this, but I was really hoping it was going to be like a one shot, like fun but quirky romantic date story. And it's, it's much more than that. They had to go to the resort, and the resort Mary Jane's also there with her husband, and then a bunch of tech bros show up because uh, the rabbit character has started a new business where she rents out. Sinister Six tech to tech bros who could want to pretend to be the Sinister Six, like a like paintball or whatever. And chaos ensues. I was looking forward to like, oh, let's go on a date and what happens when superheroes go on dates as opposed to like a big old story, which is fine. It just wasn't what I was hoping for. There were bits of it that, I don't know, Joe, Joe Kelly is advancing, I think. Mm-hmm. 
he doesn't need to prove himself in comics or whatever. And so this, there was bits of it that kind of felt like beyond what you would normally do in a bus. I don't know. It's hard for me to like, they were, they were off model a little bit. Nothing bad. Somebody gets stabbed mm-hmm. in the face with an umbrella. That's fantastic. <laughs> you know, the, all the stuff between Peter and Black Cat is fun. They're really writing her. Again, she was a villain. Let's not forget. Or at least, you know, I guess she's yeah, more she like Catwoman. She wasn't Catwoman. a villain. There, there was only that one period yeah. of time where they tried to make her into like yeah, that was the, bad. the crime boss. That was dumb. But she she's incredibly, they, she they was... started writing her incredibly like mature. She's yeah. like, I get it. You had an ex. I really like her too. They're really hanging on this. Like, hey, nothing's right here, and they will not explain it to us, but they keep reminding us of it. Because right. I keep thinking, like, I guess this is just it now. And they're like, no, things are fucked up. And you're like, right. And the only, the last thing I will say, this is the short section, yeah. but uh, this White Rabbit character, mm-hmm. somebody figure out that Harley Quinn is popular. <laughs> it's the same fucking character. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. We still don't know why Peter and Mary Jane broke up. We don't know why she's with somebody else. We don't know why anything's going on. Well, the time jump, like she's got kids. Yeah. Well, the they're kid, his none kids. None of it makes sense. Uh, okay. She's yeah, a stepmom. Right. They, they, they want us to think they were her, her kids, but they were. Right. Okay. She's a stepmom. Okay. I must have missed that, but that at least helps because it does not make sense. Space job number one from Dark Horse from David A. Goodman, Alvaro Sarasica. Sarasica. I don't know. Jordi Esuin Loroc. This is this is a minefield. Mauro Mantella letters. <laughs> so what we have we have here is a comedic take on Star Trek. Did you read it? Yeah, I did. Okay, so I saw a thumbnail and it said yeah. "space job" and it looked like a schlubby mm-hmm. dude sitting on a spaceship. And I was like, "This is what I came here for." Then I zoomed in on the cover and I was like, oh, "I don't know about it." Then I read the synopsis and I was like, "I don't know about it," but I still went for it because it's called "space job." That yeah. to me should be the best thing ever, and it's fine. One thing I liked about it is that so the very beginning is there's like a schlub dude and he's nobody and he gets promoted to be captain on this ship and he's like I'm gonna do it. And no, first like, officer. He goes he goes from chef's right. assistant to first officer and he's really annoying and you think this is gonna be the book and then he gets killed pretty quickly and I was like all right I'm buying that I like that he got killed. Apparently on the on the SS George H W Bush, yes, they lose first officers like Spinal Tap lost drummers. <laughs> the same problem is the first officer's chair tends to blow up and kill them. Mm-hmm. But I did not like this. No, Sam ultimately, I, I, did not I, like I this. ultimately I didn't, didn't quite work. A little half baked. You know what I find is, and it becomes glaring in books like books like this is. The coloring, like look at the look at the cover. It's just all sort of just gradient mm-hmm. stuff on gray. It's amazing that it's still happening, and it's also amazing. It really makes you appreciate the accomplished, you know, top tier colorists. Like yeah. when we talk about Matthew Wilson, or we talk about Jordy Belair, or we talk about uh, Lilo Ridge. Like, these people are amazing. They are artists, you know. People don't talk enough, and we're as guilty as anybody, don't talk enough about the colorists and the letters who can make or break a book. Bad lettering mm-hmm. can make a book unreadable, and bad coloring can, you know, just do the same. And, like, and also, books like this, where like, the artist isn't, you know, super experienced, become very, like, empty. Like, all the backgrounds, the mm-hmm. backgrounds have, like, walls and panels, but it's just, like, gray. There's nobody in the background of the ship. There's nobody walking around. It's just... Every character is alone in a room. It looks like a, a set from a 60s. So maybe it was on purpose or whatever. It's funny because like the cover is actually pretty good about conveying a mood, but it's yeah. a shitty cover, like in terms of um composition. It's it's not great. Like it's 
it's kind of amazing to me that it's so hard to get work doing comics, but so many people who get work doing comics, not Marvel, DC, or whatever, are kind of not there yet. And I'm not willing to say, like, they suck. It's not it. No, no, I've seen worse. And I thought there was some interesting things. The idea yes. is not a bad idea. The whole mystery about the guy, who's clearly not himself, is in- kind of interesting. But it wasn't quite there. I thought it was, like, three quarters of a joke. Like, it wasn't fully thought out. Sure. Well, but, you know, and, and just, you know, they're, they're it's newer. It's folks, you know. I mean, the high ca- concept is basically, what if we did Star Trek, but Kirk was like a schlubby jerk? Mm-hmm. You know, overweight, kind of a, it's not a scumbag, but kind of a dick. And it's like, okay, well, they didn't go beyond that step. I realize it's the first issue, but it's the first of four. This is 25% of the story's done already. Sure. So, like, you need more than just that one joke. But all that said, like, I appreciated that the genre was not a, not a thing I had seen a hundred times. It's interesting because the other thing that came out this week, too, was Know Your Station. It's actually mm-hmm. very similar. You know, workaday stuff on a space shuttle or, or ship or whatever it is. Space station. I like that book, but it's 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 a little rough. Yeah, I tried, right. though. I, I just yeah. wanted to, you know, there were merits. It wasn't terrible, but I didn't really like it. I yeah. thought it was just not quite there. Yep. Those are the books we want to talk about, but at patreon.com slash ifanboy, all the patrons can vote to add a book to the rundown. That's called the patron pick. This week's winner was Monarch number one from Image Comics, written by Rodney Barnes. He of Winning Time. He's a producer on Winning Time. Writer, producer. That's right. Art by Alex Linz, colors by Luis Nicht, and color assists by Mar Silvestri Galato, and letters by Marshall Dillon. Somebody brought him back, and he's <laughs> making comics. He's not cleaning up Arizona. He's making comics. I would put this show's respect for letterers and colorists, but certainly for letterers up against any other comic book media out there. And we could certainly be better. I certainly feel guilty since we don't sure. talk about everything, but, you know, the thing is, like a music score, mm-hmm. if it's doing its job, sometimes you don't need to talk about it because it's just doing its job. I've heard that from letterers. Like, they, yeah. you know, Chris Eliopoulos, one of the kings of lettering, you know, has said, like, you shouldn't notice what we're doing. And so the only reason we notice what they're doing is when they do it so well that you don't notice it. And that's, or that's when tough. It was a problem. Marshall right. Dillon was Dodge City, not Arizona. Anyway, sci fi book, Kid in Compton in Los Angeles County. Oh, he did Wu Tang and American Saga. <laughs> Love that show. He's a foster kid, lives a foster family. He's being bullied by a former foster kid. Has a little girlfriend, they're young, and in the midst of being bullied, uh, aliens invade, and most people get killed. So I, my thing with image number ones is usually, not always, but usually one of two things happen. Not enough or too much. And I thought this was not enough. Hmm. Although you could easily say too much. And, you know and what I mean? Like, also, like it was a lot, but not. It, it takes a three-week time jump. A lot of stuff happens in that three weeks. It definitely wasn't bad. I thought the, I thought the dialogue was really strong. I thought the characters yes. were good. Uh, you know, the kids, I think, too smart. We said that last week about other kids. Like, this is, that's just kids in, in fiction. But I thought the character stuff was really strong. I thought the dialogue was really, really strong. I just thought the, the mm-hmm. story itself, it's just like, I don't understand what's happening. Other than I know the aliens are invading. But, like, now the kids are all holed up in the school. How did they survive? Mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes these stories jump over the interesting parts, you know? Well, but it also, it's one of those it. things. I, didn't where- I, thought it was, I thought it was good. But I just, like, I didn't finish. I was like, oh, man, I thought that could have been better. I think. It could have been better. I think that the connection between the apocalypse and kid on the streets of, is it Compton or is it? Yeah, um, it's Compton. It's Compton. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is going to sound, but like, I've seen that story. 
it's hard to grow up in Compton. I can think of a bunch of movies and books and shows or whatever. That part was familiar. The kid was really interesting, and I actually wanted to see more of that. But then the alien invasion stuff comes in or whatever. I don't even... Is it aliens? Yeah. Yeah. There's so many apocalypse books. Yeah, I know. I will knock the coloring here because it's the aliens appear out of a rainbow cloud. At one point, the, the guy in the radio calls it a Skittles cloud. The actual art didn't convey that at all. At all. It was very sort of muddled and yeah. muddy. Those two things seem disjointed. I, I don't know what one had to do with the other. And there's probably some sort of metaphorical point or this going on, but I could have gone with the kid's story without that. You know, this little kid who's oh, got sure. like, That was the most interesting part. Who's yeah. got to get to school and another kid who's mad that he didn't get chosen by the foster parent is going after him. You know, that's... Well, he got kicked out of the house because he was violent. Right. But either way, you know, like, like one got the love he didn't, and so he's going to take it on in him. There's a bit at the beginning where, like, they mention the kid. I can't think of his name. The bad kid. The, the antagonist. Oh, yeah. Zion. Zion. They mention him before he shows up, and it kind of, like, I, I, I was like, why is he saying that? And then he goes out and he sees the guy uh, on the next door porch, and he's on his... They all know about it. And he, they still send him out there to deal with it. You know, the neighbor was a good character that he gets killed. Like everything I was enjoying was sort of just wiped out. That's one of those things that and it happens in apocalypse books a lot is that you introduce a lot of interesting things and then you kill all of them. Yeah. And it's like, well, but that's what the story is it. supposed to be. You know, I get it. Like they're not going to sell a comic or slash TV show slash movie, whatever this wants to be about a kid and living in foster care in Compton. They're going to sell about a kid living in foster care in Compton who fights aliens. I get it. I'm not dumb. Yeah. But. It wasn't as interesting as just the kid in Compton with his family. It, from a structure standpoint, is it that different than dope? It's these kids in a rough neighborhood or whatever, and then they get in too far over their heads and they have to, you know, get through this. It's the same thing. It's just aliens instead of, like, criminals. I'm looking forward to reading more of it, just to jump on our button on this segment. But Because, mm-hmm. I, I, again, I thought the character work was really good and the dialogue was really strong. Yeah. And I thought the art was good from Alex Linz. The kids yeah. were, looked like tiny kids. Yes, they did. That's true. That's a good point. So, you know, I was a little disappointed. I didn't dislike it. I didn't love it. I'm giving it three out of five stars. I think that the talent of the writer as a TV writer showed, but, and this is, he did a long series, Philadelphia, which I guess was also a show. Uh, That was an image series that had been going on for a long time. It lacked a little bit of feeling like it was a comic book. Does that make sense? It was, I've taken my TV talent I put into making a comic book and it's pretty good, but it's not quite that. You should do a comic about Magic Johnson. I'll give it a, no, they shouldn't. (laughs) I'll, I'll give it sports and comics is, is, that's a rough one. Three. Three. Yeah, three. Three. I don't know if I'll keep reading it. I might. I'm going to give it another issue. I'm, I can't imagine. Well, who knows? His last book went a long time, but I, I can't imagine it's a long series. He's worked on so much stuff. I mean, The Boondocks, Everybody Hates Chris, The Runaways Show. Yeah, he's okay. a good writer. Yep. Patreon.com slash fanboy. If you are a patron, you can vote to add a book to the rundown. Thanks to all the patrons. All of you are eligible. You don't all vote, but we do appreciate those who do. Mm-hmm. If uh, sorry. You know what just occurred to me? What? That I have to do a power. As you were talking, I went, oh, <laughs> no. 
you had your chance so to think about it. Now I have to talk through. You know why? Because before every week we each had to do two, and I was like, "Got it." And now I feel like I do it like once a month, and it sneaks up on me every time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can go to Patreon.com/slash/ifinboy, and you can contribute to this pain. You can directly support <laughs> the show, which is the opposite of pain. You can unlock shows for everybody else. You're part of a great community. I'm gonna love you. Like if I ever met you and you said I'm a patron, I'd be like, buddy, and I'd slap you on the and, I, and I'd talk to you as opposed to normally when I'd be like, that's cool. I got to go. But that's not because I don't like you. It's because it's me. Because it's socially awkward. Yeah, it's it's uh, I don't know that it's I am anymore. Too. So there's revamp patron goals, but they're going to be goals that we do uh, on our own because they're getting rid of yeah. official ones. There's some other bits that we should really clamp down on. If I'm going to be honest, we should do yeah. that soon. Yep. That's on us. You can go to yep. Threadless, ifanboy.threadless.com. There are 12 designs on t-shirts and stuff and more, uh, including the upcoming The Jaboke Mystery Hour, um, which <laughs> if one of you guys wants to go ahead and contribute designs to that, that'd be good. And also, we'll give royalties on it. You could be in for 20, 30 bucks. Yeah. Our newest design, Gosh, is there. Can we call that new? Can we just say most recent? I feel like that's, that's the most way to recent. go. It's like a well Great. over a year old. We should just, Great just shirt. take that out of the script. Uh, ifamboy.com slash support is a PayPal link for direct donations over at uh, ifamboy.com slash Amazon. You can buy the books and the books, but you can buy the music that we use uh, link there. You can just use that general link. If you need a, an air tag holder for your dog's collar, which is what I just bought, that was a thing I did because I was like, wait a minute, I can stop this dog from disappearing and find out where they go. And then uh, you can go to, we have uh, links where appropriate for bookshop.org, which is a way for you to purchase books conveniently, but from local bookstores who really are the foundation of the fabric of our society, turns out. And you will find those links everywhere you can. Did I say that, gosh, it's 12 years old? No, you didn't. You said one year old. You said over one year. I'd like to also point out, it is unfair to give me a whole spiel (laughs) and then make me do the the patron power when- If you're a patron at the $5 or a higher level, you get a superpower live on the show this week. Josh is going to do it. Drum roll, please. Dacian Dynamo has the power to fix one physical thing about you. One physical thing about you. One. So, like, if he comes to you, like, what can I do for you? And you'd be like, I'd like to stop hunching. Like, he would give you, he would fix it. You would just have great posture. Or uh, I keep getting skin tags. (laughs) <laughs> like okay <laughs> fix that my elbow is always sore is it a non-serious thing like you know disease i don't know how to rate that but i don't think he's curing cancer he's just okay. fixing something but you know he's, he's making an adjustment <laughs> maybe you got a gammy leg <laughs> can you say gammy leg any- i can't think why it's inappropriate but it is an old-timey term so i figure it is in it is offensive in some way but you know he can he can he can sort something out for you just sure. one thing yeah. It'd be like, you know how you got that shit wrong with you and you bring it up to the doc. <laughs> you know, no, like, no, like uh, on everybody. This is a, uh, this is a minor version of what hurts. Me. Yeah, yeah. No, okay. You have too but many you know, things. shit wrong with you. Well. I do. I, I got a lot have, of shit wrong with me. I know. The but doctor like, today for some, one of but them. But everybody's got some little shit that's wrong with them. And as you get into your 40s, your 50s, whatever, you just go, oh, well, I or guess this is a feature, not a bug. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it exists before that, but you don't really notice it, right? Yeah. My calves are always extremely tight. I can't do You're, anything about it. Do you don't stretch them? It do, I have. I've done what about it. Foam I've rolling. Go, I, all of it. I mm. went to. Uh, I've been to. I've been to massage folks, and I've been like, mm. "Can you please do something about this?" I've had them go. This is amazing. And like at the end of it, I've been in a ton of pain. Nothing's changed. What about all acupuncture? Of it. I, I don't know. Listen, LA boy. <laughs> 
<laughs> but like that. Have could you be... lined your chakras? No, definitely. What about not. crystals? Have you put crystals on them? Uh, I know a girl named Crystal. But that <laughs> Does would be she awkward. have any crystals she can give you? That you can put on your calves. I don't know. I could ask. You can get some jade up there. Daisy and Dynamo will fix one of those things. Only one. One per customer. You got to pick. It's like the patron power. He's just gonna walk up to you someday. Like, what do you need? And you gotta be like, uh, uh, ear itch. Shit. <laughs> like you wasted it. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's uh, where you can get your patron power live on the show, like Daisy and Dynamo. Let's do an email. Connor. That's pretty yeah. good, right? It was very good for not having one. Yeah. Uh, Robert A writes, I just learned inventor of the Rorschach test was Herman Rorschach. Herman Rorschach. Herm Rorschach. Herm Rorschach. It's pretty good. <laughs> also, I've been thinking about this for years, but always forget to ask, why do people in comic books almost always shake hands incorrectly? Yes, Robert. I've stopped at my tracks every time Bruce Wayne or some other highfalutin son of a bitch does a left-handed handshake in a panel. I can't imagine any technical reason for this being so common. Our handshakes like horses and children, for some reason, comic artists find it just too difficult to get right. I've been on this horse for years. It's all nothing but devil's handshakes as far as the eye can see in comics. I don't know why. Wait, what was that phrase? The devil's handshake. What's that mean? It's left-handed handshake because people left-handed got the devil in them. Really? I've never noticed that. Yeah. It's nothing but left-handed handshakes as far as I can see. I don't know why it is. It it drives me crazy. Robert, you and I are on the same page. I don't know what the reason is. I thought about doing this as an article once in my fanboy back when we were doing articles. Really? Just just scanning all the devil's handshakes and putting them, like, what's going on here? But I want to notice this now. I can't unnotice. Not every once in a while you get a proper one, but for the most part. So it's like pizza. Almost every time they're shaking hands with left-handed, and it's weird. Huh. There's no reason for it. As you said, it's not like a technical reason. They're standing They're standing there. They could be right. shaking with their right hands. Huh. The devil. I just want to say, Robert A., it's not often, I can't think of another time, that someone starts with a trivia fact mm-hmm. that A, we didn't know, and the, B that, and the B that we don't cut out. Yeah. And I just want to say I appreciate that. Second of all, everything after highfalutin <laughs> son of a bitch... <laughs> Which is written highfalutin, one word, son of a bitch, one word. You can't see this text, but right there, I fell in love with your letter, and I didn't care about <laughs> anything else in it. Some other highfalutin son of a bitch was like, this guy should write for us. Yeah, he was very funny. That's what I thought. Very good, Robert. Dave G. from Niagara, Canada. Why is it that writers insist on treating Captain America, Steve Rogers, like an old man instead of a man out of time? I get that he has old world sensibilities since he came of age during World War II, but at the end of the day, he was suspended at a block of ice for decades. He hasn't really had that much more experience than the superhero peers when you think about it. He's more like Marty McFly in Back to the Future 2 than, say, Connor McCloud in Highlander. Whenever Steve is made to explain something away because he's 98 years old, I shake my own fist at the clouds. Uh, what does is, what is that acronym stand for? Am I the asshole? Am I the asshole? A-I-T-A. This question has been on my mind since Steve and Natasha debriefed their kiss on a road trip to New Jersey and Captain America Winter Soldier. I do agree with him that but at some point, and I think, again, it's the movies, because they started doing it in the movies, they started making you know, 98-year-old man jokes, and he became less of a contemporary young man and more of a 98-year-old man inside of a young man's body. Numerically speaking, yes, he's 98. He wasn't alive for 98 years, like Dave points out. He was suspended in mm-hmm. animation. He's just a, he's a young guy. They shouldn't treat him like he's a grandpa. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a subtle shift. It's a subtle shift, but it's happened for sure. It's interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way. I tend to think of it as that 
writers kind of bring something, they each bring their own thing to it, and it's actually not consistent in that way. For a long mm-hmm. time, for most of the time that I think I've been reading comics, like, they didn't even really touch on it very much. Yeah. You know, they talk about Man Out of Time, but they didn't really use it. In fact, the movies kind of solidified how that would be because it's a good joke. It plays well on screen. But also, when we were kids in the 80s, you know, he was, it was a not man touched. out of time, but not not super long out of time. No. You know? Yeah, he'd only been out for 20 years. And if you want to talk, you know, whatever, all that stuff, it falls apart if you No, you what I mean is even, in, even if you talk about the 80s, he's still only out of time for like 30, 40 years where, mm-hmm. you know, now we're getting to the point now it's been – what, 70 years since the right. war? So, you know. But it's really more like the country mouse moves to the city. I mean, that's really yeah. more like it would be like. The only thing I, the thing I do not agree about here, Dave, from Canada, uh. is this said he's like Marty McFly. No, no, he fought in the fucking war. <laughs> he <laughs> yeah, fought no, in World War II. Sure. That, that's enough to give him. They don't give him the, the respect because he's old. They give him the respect because he was Captain America and he's fought the Nazis. Yeah, and any 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 inspired people and pushed on. He led a whole team. He's and he's yeah. something special. That's yeah. that's the thing. So it's not really about the time or whatever. But yeah, he felt like like Captain Winters or Major Major Dick Winters. Yeah, come on. He'd only been you know he'd been in the war for the four years or whatever, and whether Tacoa in forty two three and a half years. It's the second time I've done it in this show. <laughs> oh, um, Jesus. No, 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 but I'm saying you can establish your bona fides in that time. Also, yeah, uh, yeah. Canada had a big part in World War II that we never talk about. Fine, brave soldiers. It's, it's just, it's just they, they treat him, there's a lot more like, he's 90 jokes, which again, mm-hmm. started with Chris Evans. and It was funny in the movies, but it's... You're right, though. It doesn't make him an old man. The only thing that he would really have an issue with is A, technology, and B, social mores. But, right. you know, I, I think you get used to that stuff really quick. Contact at ifanboy.com is where you can write in like Dave and Robert. You could also write in for a media explode show. Just put media explode in the subject line. We got a bunch of media explode emails last week. I'm excited to get onto the show. So great that's questions. Fun. This good week. questions. Really good questions. Yep. Never had either question before. Mm-hmm. And we've been doing this for a long time. So <laughs> not 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 nothing. Let's talk about uh, our other shows. So last week we gave you a schedule of upcoming shows. Slightly changed that schedule after we gave them to you. These schedules are these schedules are always up for a review, depending on availability and things like that. So next week. Will now be the media explode. This coming week, actually, will be the media explode. We'll be, I think we'll be doing our pre-Oscars media explode then. Week after, might be a talk explode. It was going to be a talk explode, and now it might be a talk explode. We'll see how that I'm goes. Working on it. I'm not in control of some of these things. Right. In two weeks, that'll be the Legion of Superheroes review. I have it available on disc, but it's not coming out on digital until in a couple of weeks from now. So Ryan and Paul can't see it yet. So we had to push that to. Two weeks from now instead of doing it this week. So Legion Superheroes Review will be coming out later in the month. What we don't have scheduled on the schedule is the Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania Review because we don't know when we're seeing it. We don't know when we're recording it. So that one's just going to come out whenever we're, we're done with it. We're just going to drop it on some random day. Whatever. Can I tell you something about this film? Yeah. This film marks the very first Marvel or any superhero film that my children have shown some interest in seeing. And I well, got you got to see it, man. You got to talk about it. I know, it's but, but the fact is, I got to work around their schedule on that. That's fine. And and because I'm not going to miss this opportunity. Also, it happens to be when like Kang's in. They don't know that, but right. you know, let's but that put shows it together. how smart they are. They know there's mm-hmm. a reason why they should be interested, in it, and they just they oh, just yeah. don't understand that it is Kang. Yeah, and they might not until later, for he is Kang. I think you need to for for Halloween dress up in a full Kirby appropriate Kang costume. If I saw that as oh no. What if that becomes a thing? What if everybody knows Kang like everybody knows Thanos now? I don't yeah. think I'd like that. 
I liked him before he was cool, man. What I was going to say, though, is if I saw like a full Kang costume somewhere for sale, I would 100% purchase it up to including, I would say, $350. What we need is someone out there who's a really good seam seamstress, or I don't want to, I'm not gendering it, I'm just saying, I don't know what the word for, you know, Seamster? Anyway. Seamster. Seam, seam, someone out there really good at making clothes. We will, we will possibly hire you to make Josh a Kirby appropriate Kang outfit, C- complete with thigh high boots. I just want the boots. Let's talk. Send us an email. That helmet's a problem. Because <laughs> the fate, because apparently the way that it is now, he's just got a regular person face. Right. But still, the purple bit is perfectly like sucked to his skin, so that that's a problem. I want you to wear it to work and just not explain it. Hmm. I yeah. think I would not do that. <laughs> I think I would. I, I think I would have to issue that. Yeah, yeah, I guess for for reasons of you know professional uh, development. Oh, there's a lot of practical reasons why that that <laughs> while it would absolutely make you laugh, even though you would not be there to see it, I could just yeah. tell you what happened. Yeah, but that's true. Well, yeah. I see photos. Sure. All right. I mean, I just pictured a whole series of Kang in real life photos. And also, <laughs> like, if we were to go back to our old middle management skull, like, Kang in the office looking exasperated because fucking Dave in product <laughs> is giving him the runaround again and he can't figure out how to get through his supervisor. And all the deliverables are late because and we're just waiting on Dave, who's apparently fucking uh, uh, Teflon. Nobody can touch Dave, but he's not doing his fucking job. Dave always claims he doesn't have the password. Listen, that's on the roadmap, but it's not on the roadmap now, regardless of how bad I need it. <laughs> Dave doesn't care about Kang's priorities in terms of conquering the cosmos. He's got his roadmap. And Kang just looks at him. He's like, you know, I could disintegrate you. <laughs> it is only oh. my decency that is stopping me from turning into a goddamn puddle, Dave. That series is the end of the shield, basically. <laughs> what would what would cause that? Oh, oh that's man. good. We've pitched some good series that no one would want to read this week. I do. I want to read that one. Office Kang. <laughs> Kang, middle manager. <laughs> you can find our library of over twelve hundred shows and counting over at ifanboy.com wherever podcasts are purveyed sold by the way if somebody's selling you this podcast you got took because it's super free instead of kang the conqueror is kang the manager yeah kang the middle manager he's hoping to be director kang but (laughs) it's a five-year plan kang the senior manager can can kang just get one more week of pto please (laughs) i don't know why he talks like a caveman (laughs) kang would like a personal day Kang has to go kill Captain America. He's been shaking hands all wrong. Complaining about these kids. Follow us at Fanboy Comics on Instagram. Uh, you can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. Sometimes it's best of the week in panels, but Connell's, Connor's been on fire. You can follow us individually. C.S. Kilpatrick and Jay Flanagan are both on Instagram. You can subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash ifanboy. You can like and subscribe and smash buttons and I don't know, whatever the fuck you do over there. But that's where you'll find our old video show as well as this show every week. We put it up there. But really... If you're new to iFanboy, never seen the old video shows, they're worth watching, especially, as Josh said, uh, mentioned earlier, the uh, the convention coverage, where we would do silly things like Kang in real life. Or I watched <laughs> the new Night Court show, and all I can think about is the year we did the Night Court open at, at New York Comic Con every time I watch it. <laughs> so, if you've never seen them before, check them out. They're actually really fun. 
Uh, please consider writing a review or leaving a star rating on a podcast, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, wherever podcasts are sold. Do appreciate that. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Connor. That's Bull. And we'll see you next week. And then there's the... the... <laughs> I know. I haven't heard it in 35 years. But I know every note. I'm Josh. Because I'm a picker. I'm a grinner. I'm a lover. I'm a singer. I play my music in the sun. I'm a joker. I'm a smoker. I'm a mid.